Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. This past week, Canadians were asked to reflect on the plight of Indigenous people who suffered in the residential school system. Local municipalities and the county government found ways to engage residents, staff, and politicians in educating themselves and others. Coburg decided to paint a crosswalk, but this effort and others are part of a larger change in the municipality. It is hoping to implement an equity, diversity, and inclusion strategy to create a more welcoming place. Here is Coburg Mayor John Henderson to talk about the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and the new inclusion strategy. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Coburg Mayor John Henderson. Welcome to Consider This. Oh, well, thank you, Robert. Delighted to be here. What did Coburg Council decide to do to honor the Day of Truth and Reconciliation? Well, it was a very uh, brief, but yet an important report this past uh, Monday evening. Uh, We decided to uh, transfer what we might call our walk uh, way from uh, 2nd Street and Albert Street. So that's going directly behind Victoria Park Hall parking lot to what might be called Millstone area or what we know better as the Rotary Harbour Front Park. Um, in consultation with uh, Chief Dave Mowat uh, and Alderville, uh, he concurred and would support our initiative to paint that in orange. Uh, to represent uh, the seven feathers Um, and uh, the importance of the seven feathers it talks about the seven virtues of indigenous learning and they're words that we all need to uh, take to heart Uh, the words being love respect courage honesty humility truth and wisdom and uh, the chief will be joining us Uh, i asked him would he bring a blessing on behalf of uh Uh, Alderville and himself and his band council. Uh, Similarly, I found out one of their elders had written a book um, called Alderville, It's History. Uh, I personally purchased it and started to read it and felt it uh, very educational and quite the learning for me. And based on that, I ordered a copy for every member of council, as well as senior staff. And uh, through this, the chief, of course, has agreed to look at his timetable where he could come forward to do a historical indoctrination, a a learning, a teaching of Indigenous ways to Coburg Council senior staff and the public at a very near future meeting. We're just trying to find a date uh, that works for everybody's schedule. Why is the crosswalk the best way to acknowledge the plight of Indigenous peoples and the horrors of the residential school system? Well, at this point, we know it's a very popular spot, A, because uh, the farmer's market is often there on Saturdays. 
Sometimes if we have major events, they're held in Rotary Harbor Front Park or what we might call the market building. We also know many people walked that particular uh, piece of land or site from downtown and heading to the harbor front or what we might call our harbor walkway. And I'm hoping by seeing the color of orange and the seven feathers, they may start to ask the question, well, what does that represent? What is this all about? And again, I'm, I'm not through it yet. I do apologize to the chief. Uh, I am reading Seven Fallen Feathers myself uh, for my own learning and enrichment. And that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that people will start to ask questions and perhaps uh, take the initiative themselves uh, to, to learn more and uh, to look at what Alderville may be doing in their events. And as I indicate to the chief, I'm more than willing to go up to Alderville to an event they may be holding to continue to learn and to ask the right questions. The book that you mentioned, that's by Tanya Talega, The uh, Seven Fallen Feathers. Is that the correct, uh, the book that you were referencing? That's correct. The, is the town also acknowledging Orange Shirt Day? Because before the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day was announced back in August and the federal government made it a statutory holiday, uh, September 30th was known as Orange Shirt Day. Are you uh, commemorating both those or are you just doing the one? Can you explain? No, we're doing both. We start the Orange Shirt Day almost the day it was announced. And again, everything was done in consultation with uh, Chief Damo. We want to ensure we had his director and direct blessing. So every member of council and senior staff, uh, we, we did a logo that he approved of. And so we each have our own shirts. We've been wearing that through the particular month. We'll be wearing it on that particular day. We've worn it in council uh, numerous times during our meetings, the month of October. And so it's a combination of both. Why do you and council believe it's important to have a statutory holiday to reflect on the residential schools? Well, at this point, uh, Robert, uh, if anybody has read or is reading the report on the Commission on Truth and Reconciliation, it's a long enduring history, but a lot of decisions were not good decisions as identified in that report. And I believe it falls to us, this society and our future generations and people like my children to learn more, to start to make actionable items so we can correct um, um, some of these injustices that we're learning about as we move forward. I can only say being a former educator, um, in education, we're taught to, to enrich a child's learning experience, to enrich who they are, to teach uh, confidence, to instill um, a person their identity. And, and the more I read, the more I get the feeling that that somehow was stolen from so many uh, youthful individuals in the residential schools. So I think it certainly is a way for us to look at uh, look at the hourglass differently and, and maybe through these collective actions to make changes as recommended in the Truth and Reconciliation Report or Commission Report. The Ontario government has decided not to make September 30th a statutory holiday. What is your reaction to its decision? Well, I can only speak personally. Uh, in our case, um, we, when we looked at the dynamics and legally, 
we offered it as a loo day. Others have uh, provided a day uh, of recognition and others are just treating it like any normal day. But for me, um, what I've learned in the last few months or in particular during COVID about these recent discoveries, I really truly feel it would be great to have a national day of recognition um, uh, because that unifies Canada, hopefully in our approach and how we're gonna do things differently. Um, again, I'm not the federal government, but if, if someone were to start a petition to request an actual day with the hope that there would be a celebration or a learning moment, I'm not seeing this as you take a day off and head to the cottage. I see this as a moment where you really partake uh, within your community of how, how you can enrich your community. So personally, I would support that. Um, I know in others, um, it's not noted yet. It will be, I'm sure, a discussion through collective agreements. You mentioned two books, um, Tanya Tanega's uh, Seven Fallen Feathers, and you also mentioned Brian Beaver's uh, Alderville, uh, A History. So obviously you're doing a lot of reading about this and you're exploring these issues. So on a personal note, what goes through your mind when you think about Canada's history in regards to residential schools? Well, it was certainly not based on um, their learnings, their teachings, because I've learned and everything I've read, uh, all Indigenous communities have a, um, what I, I don't know if I had the proper word, I apologize, a medicine wheel, but they really did believe in the seasons. Uh, they believed in uh, things perhaps we've taken for granted far too long, such as the earth, the air, fire, and the earth, and the importance of working together with all their colorful, important words of, uh, and, and from child up to elder, and the importance of working in harmonious relationships with what we've inherited. And I think we've got a lesson to learn uh, from that aspect in relation to sustainability and climate and climate change. But more importantly, just uh, they sacrificed their cultural identity because what I've been learning is that we came in as a society saying, we know better, let us bring you our teachings, our methods, our ways, and let's show you the proper way. Well. As more and more I read, uh, I'm not sure we did them any kind of justice. Um, we imposed um, a very, if you want to call it European, when it first came to this country in North America Act, uh, a European um, focus as opposed to where they were in their present time. Because remember, they were identified communities and very strong communities and really enriched from what I can read, uh, what they were doing. What is the role of municipal government when it comes to addressing the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report and its 94 recommendations? Well, we know there's going to be, uh, certainly uh, there have to be a collaborative effort. I certainly believe it has to start at the federal effort, provincial and municipal, but I think whatever we can do as I indicated in my notes to, to what I call bridge building or transition, just to get a better learning of understanding what we share in common and our values and our attributes, but more importantly, to appreciate our differences and understand many times those differences can be strengths uh, moving forward. Um, 
in particular, the importance of the role I'm learning the women played in very early years and how respectful they had roles, but how very respectful they were of, of women in their society and, and very respectful role of elders and the importance of governance decisions. And so I think personally, we still have a lot to learn. And I'm hoping through our municipal actions and with guidance from uh, Chief Dave Mowat and his band council, uh, we can continue to learn and to assist us uh, as, as much as even we get into planning and development. I, I believe they should have a say on what lands, what happens, as many architectural findings. It's important to make them part of the process and my understanding uh, that really hasn't been done as well as it could be, certainly in past. And I think in those areas, we have a role to play. Now, a great deal of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's reports, the 94 recommendations, a lot of it addresses federal and provincial governments. But there are things that it does speak of specifically for municipalities. For example, educating public servants at the municipal level, yep. making public any documents relevant to Indigenous communities available. Yep and then recognizing Indigenous people's contributions to municipalities and, and especially in sports. To what extent do you feel uh, Coburg Town staff and Coburg Council have, have met those criteria? I, I wouldn't say, truthfully, we've met them, but, but I, I would say we're at the beginning phase where we're taking proactive steps to, to put out a hand, to put out that bridge building. And I use the example of we worked uh, along with, and I want to give them credit, uh, the Coburg Museum, and we worked with Rick Beaver, and he came out and opened up the Coburg Museum this year, which we attended, and he explained the importance of his artwork and the importance of the pine and the forest and the trees. And if you were there, uh, he also did a blessing. And if you were there that day, it was just mag magnificent on so many fronts. Similarly, we agreed to do training. I've done a series of training. I've had 10 hours of individual training through council at Northumberland County level, uh, through Chief Moat and his band council. In fact, we meet on a regular basis at county council on governance type issues, policies and procedures. I'm hoping to bring that down again to the lower tier. And, and every decision we've made uh, whether it's a PD or we think we have an architectural site or we have what might be considered a sacred site, I can tell you those calls do go to staff to Chief Mowat. And any discussion I've had with the orange shirt or even supporting uh, the flying indigenous flag, uh, I've, I've always had these conversations with the chief uh, before I bring that to council. So. I believe we're, we're making the right crossroads moving forward. But however, Robert, there's no doubt we all have to do more, including the municipality. It's interesting, too. I, I was checking out the uh, Coburg Sports Hall of Fame and mm -hmm. Fred Simpson, who was born yep. in Alderville in 1878 and yes. went on to become an Olympic marathon runner in the uh, 1900s. Um, he's been honored by the Sports Hall of Fame. So it looks like at least on, on some levels, uh, this is one of the other things, I guess, that's been going on to uh, acknowledge the Indigenous people and their contribution to the community. 
Yes, and it was, I was there that day and it was brilliant. And of course, he's very much highlighted in the book I'm reading as well, Alderville's History. They have a whole section on sports and culture and contributions to community. And if we do a slight extension of that, um, I knew Mr. Eatle, again, not of First Nations, uh, but different culture. But I also learned so much of how he and Rich went up to Rice Lake to become one of the best uh, ski kite skiers in the entire North America. And I, and yet I knew him as a business person, but until I had that kind of indoctrination, I had no idea that one and the same person. So, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned how this sort of ripples out from one central idea to another. And I, I wonder how much uh, these initiatives around the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation fit into the larger context of work that's being done by the town around equity, diversity, and inclusion. And it's my understanding that there's a draft strategy report that has recently been made public and residents can go to engage Coburg and give feedback and comments. Can you explain what is included in that strategic document? Well, at this point, uh, we've done, and I want to emphasize, this is very new for the town of Coburg. I want to compliment, first of all, Jamie Kramer and her group and all the inclusionary strategies based on what we might call the Global Diversity Inclusionary Benchmark Assessment globally. I believe we're one of 85 municipalities who've elected uh, to take this proactive stance. So at this point, I can only tell you, Robert, we're doing our own inherent, uh, where we are in the different, there are 14 different categories. And, uh, and within those categories, we've done our own scoring to try and help us where we are. And the best way I can explain it, one is kind of like the low of the score. And it means you're, you're just starting to get a sense of, what this may be all about. And of course the ideal over many years is to get to a level four or five. I can honestly say in the 14 categories, I'm just looking at it now and I apologize because I'm looking down, but our highest score right now in any one category is 2.5. And that's in the entitlement of benefits, work-life integration and flexibility. But each category has its own scores, its own merits, its own goals its own standards. And I'm here to say that for the most part, you can imagine we're scoring between one and 2.5 with 2.5 being the highest. So with the help of Jamie Kramer and with the help of the newly formed committee that's been put together, we're hoping with their personal experiences because they're far more perhaps enriched in this than we've been, uh, they can help us in these different core categories. What do we do? to make a difference? What do we do to address these strategic goals that we're to achieve? So at this point, uh, that's where we are. I can tell you uh, I'm involved, council's involved, senior staff's involved, but we are really looking to the leadership of this very eclectic group that we put together under uh, Jamie Kramer's leadership to help us. How do we get to the next step? And I can tell you, this is uh, very new for the municipality. Um, I had some of this training many years ago when I opened up uh, with a colleague, Lincoln Alexander Public School in the town of Ajax, because I worked with Lincoln to create what we call principles of excellence under the Honorable Lincoln Alexander when he was uh, Lieutenant Governor of Ontario. 
and that was 23 years ago. But my answer is the mission still continues to learn to adjust uh, where we're going in all these different categories. I must say it's going to be a long journey. Uh, we know as well that to get the right training, both for ourselves and for staff and those in the committee, we're going to have to put dollars into the budget. Now, these are, I consider them significant dollars, but important dollars. I don't know the range yet because we have yet to get into budget deliberations, but I'm guessing it's going to be in the range of between thirty dollars and $50,000 to, to keep this training going so that we meet uh, the targets as established uh, by the Global Diversity uh, under UNESCO. So I'm again, I'm very encouraged that we're doing this. Um, I'm not aware of anybody in North Dublin. If they are, uh, my answer is bless them as well. But I, I believe we're leading the way in North Dublin to, to try and what can we do in all our practices, uh, our daily practices of, of being uh, inclusion or in everything we do. Ms. Kramer, what is her title if, or for people who may not be aware of her position within the town? Well, I, I, I treat it as two. I call her, it's kind of a confusing title because right now she's known as the Accessibility Coordinator under Legislative Services and Corporate Services. But at the same time, as much as Jamie is helping us in that front as well to meet those standards for 2025 by uh, provincial mandate, at the same time, She's leading equity, diversity, inclusionary strategies for the town of Coburg. And when we can certainly blend or integrate those fields, we certainly are doing that as well. So I would say she has two feet and two camps. Now, what are some of the systemic barriers you see currently within the town that need to be addressed? Well, first of all, um, in our hiring, I know when we did the uh, as an extension to the whole, Holco hiring, um, and it's something maybe filled we have to create to encourage more women in what we call STEM, STEM standing for, of course, science, technology, the fields of math and science, which appears sometimes weaker for women's attendance. But I know when we did, we're looking for women perhaps to interview for certain positions, but here's the point, we don't have anybody apply, they don't meet the deadline, it's pretty hard to go through an interview process to put a woman on your board or your board of directors. So then that teaches us or me, are we working together with the educational system as well to encourage programs for girls in particular, or are we running programs through Venture 13 that incorporate science and technology so they have opportunities to reach those experience. So in hiring, I think it's critically important I know we've grown very uh, incrementally. I think when I came here many years ago, it was at 1%. I think now we're at, I'll say four perhaps of, of different cultures within Coburg. But if we're certainly going to welcome other cultures, we have to uh, include them in everything we do. We have to make them part of our hiring practices. We have to learn. Uh, um, and I think we're doing that well. Um, we're doing that wherever we can based on um, equal skills, equal competence. And if you notice recently, even though it wasn't directly to the town of Coburg, the Coburg Police Service just hired uh, a new deputy chief in uh, Mr. or Deputy Chief Haskins from Durham region. Um, 
I think that's a very promising based on skills bringing to the town of Coburg. Um, our, our clerk uh, was had great interviews, was well received, and, and Crystal Christopher brings in tremendous skills in the city of Mississauga. So I, I think the onus is upon us is to um, get the right policies, the right principles, so that everybody has a fair opportunity and not to receive any kind of biased treatment through the process. But are diverse communities within the town being engaged in a meaningful way? I mean, is the is the queer community being engaged? Is uh, are the biopic community being engaged properly? I mean, when you look at who shows up at at public meetings and and when you know who fills the galleries and who speaks to council most often, is the town council doing a good job in engaging fully these diverse communities? Well, we're certainly. I can tell you, we're, we're putting out the welcoming mat. We're doing everything we can uh, with uh, different groups for a celebration of their day, their literature. We're supporting their systems. Uh, we're promoting them wherever we can. I mean, Ashley Bowman was uh, just recognized uh, with a civic uh, award just this past Friday night for all her extreme efforts. We have relations with the new Canadians group working through them, we're able to work through the county and have, I think one of the first we've ever had when we had just previous to COVID, one of the new swearing in ceremonies held in the town of Coburg for new Canadians. So my answer is no, we're, we're not at a perfect ideal situation, but are we putting out venues wherever we can to integrate or formulate those celebrations? Um, I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm tending those right around the clock. And, and I'm well received as they are. Um, I just got through with a Syrian family where we had a, a blessing most recently and speaking with the family about their concerns with their relatives still stuck in Afghanistan. And to have that conversation, that very real conversation of what can we do through the MP in that case, or through us to initiate concern of how do we help that family. So I maybe in my role, I'm lucky I get to see this all the time and be engaged. Again, is it a perfect scenario? No, it's not. But are we making the right gains, the right progress for the town of Colburn? I certainly believe we are. And again, that's why we're going to these groups to help them help us lead. In other words, tell us what we're not doing the right way. Um, help guide us, mentor us. And I think just putting that out in itself has been a very welcoming message. Um, um, I, I, I see it all the time. While you're out there though, and talking to various groups and, and, and being out and about, do you believe though that there are people in Coburg that experience racism and, and other biases and hate. Oh, well, no, no doubt. Um, Robert, I, I think for me to say that doesn't exist. Are you kidding? It does exist. And I think not long ago, I still remember it was during COVID. We had the Black Lives Matter rally. We worked with the coordinator of the group and we said, let's work together so you can get your message out. So I thought that day was exceptionally well done. Uh, we're proactive uh, on both parts of the municipality, the Coburg Police Service, uh, with the organizers, because we felt it was important for them to get their message out 
that biases aren't accepted anywhere in any community. But is there much that the town can do to change people's attitudes? Well, it, I, I think that falls sometimes to the individual. Um, when, when you put yourself on whatever spectrum you, you see on, um, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to adapt? And I think if you fall into that, that uh, part of the spectrum, then I think everything has tremendous promise. I mean, but you have to be willing, first of all, to listen. We've talked about a lot of things over this interview. And as mayor, how have you been personally changed through all these initiatives? Well, it makes me appreciate that our community is, is, is more than the Henderson family or who my particular neighbors are, who I've lived beside now for 35 years and second generations. Um, we're, we're much more wider community than that, where we're getting, uh, I've noticed quite an influx of GTA individuals uh, since COVID into Coburg, looking for a difference, a smaller community, but still looking for a very inclusive community and a community that is opening their arms to their ideas and their thoughts. So I'm at the point that I continue to learn I can tell you weekly and monthly when I attend these events, I, I've learned about their food, I've learned about their culture, their education, um, some of their language, the importance of the roles they each play. They're very inclusive and, and they remind me of, uh, and I say this with respect, when I grew up in, in Durham, uh, I, I was surrounded by Ukrainian and, and, and Polish families and the odd Italian, but boy, when they got together, it was everybody. Like, it was like, you know, grandma, grandpa, the, the that first cousin, the second cousin, whoever was in the neighborhood. And everything was done for the betterment of the family and the neighborhood. And I can honestly say, uh, I didn't quite have that from the Canadian. It was like, well, why are they all here? <laughs> so um, I feel welcome when I get invited to attend these different functions. Um, if my schedule permits it, I don't hesitate to join in because I feel I'm going to learn a lot more than they are from me. And yet together, if we keep having the right conversation, I think it can certainly enrich Kohlberg collectively, whether you, know, you wish to do that or not. I think it's the, certainly the right thing to do. Mayor John Henderson, thank you so much for talking to me today. You're welcome. That was Coburg Mayor John Henderson. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at 
considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.